Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Pastor Gwen. Hallelujah. I think we talk a lot about meeting and coming together and all of those kinds of things. But when we come together, do we know how to meet with each other? Do we know how to gather, really? Do we know how to fellowship? Or are we so nervous about who we were that we can't be who we are? Good morning. <laughs> it's going to be one of those days. Praise the Lord. I, I'm blessed that I've been able to travel so much and, and visit so many wonderful places. When I was in uh, Wales and, and, and then went to London afterwards, um, I, I had the pleasure when I was in Wales to go to where the Welsh, the first Welsh revival, well, it's not actually the first Welsh revival. They actually had revivals going on, smaller ones, uh, in the 1800s before the one that we are more familiar with in 1904, and went to that church and when we went to the church where John uh, Evan Roberts was, and uh, I went and had an opportunity, I went and stood in the pulpit, you know, because it was, it was something. And my aunt was there who had not yet received the Lord, and, and uh, Reverend McPhail was there, and, and uh, Reverend Yvonne Stabile and Pastor Ann. And we were there, and I began to sing this song that was my grandmother's favorite hymn, which Paul knew more of the verses than I did, but that's because <laughs> one of the things that happens if you're in the Salvation Army is you learn probably the chorus, and you might learn one of the verses, but because you're playing an instrument, you never really remember the rest. <laughs> but it was, about, he hideth me in the shadow of his wings. And uh, thinking about all of these things that have been so planted in my heart, through the many years, I think that it's very good for all of us to recognize the places where we have met with God. When we can establish those and recall them and know about them, they will help us always in the future. They'll help us, you know, those things that in the Old Testament, they would say, oh, and they set up an altar there. Now, the physical altar they made was a reminder. That's where I met God. That's where I met with him. And wasn't it good? And when we were in Mariah Chapel, and I was standing there and started to sing, he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows the dry, thirsty land. My aunt began to weep. And later, a couple of days later, she said, well, she would like to accept Jesus Christ. But she wanted Paul to do it because he was the official older person and also the head of the organization. So she felt that that was the way you had to do it. It didn't matter, but she got gloriously born again. My cousin also got born again at that time and, and continues to attend church, and she might even be watching today, so hi, Joyce. And, and so it's, it's so wonderful how God moves on us at different times with different places, but so important to recognize, where did you meet God? Do you remember? We sang that song this morning. I remember how he loved me, how he met me, how he healed me. Today, as I'm bringing forth a message to, to find that place where you've met with him again, I want you to get yourselves ready. I want your expectations to come with me, that we are going to meet with God in the word today, that he's meeting with us, that it's not just you pursuing him, but him drawing you and drawing me. That in this time, if there's something wrong with your physical body, you're going to find out the answer. You're going to see in the word where he's done the work. He's prepared everything we'll ever need. If, if you were afraid and you haven't listened to the messages yet, go back and listen. Find that place in the word where you met with God. This is what it says in Exodus uh, chapter 33. And Moses just wanted to be a little closer with God. Now, he'd already been up to the mountain. He'd done all those things. God was using him powerfully. And that's one of the things sometimes we have difficulty with. We often, you're turning to 
Exodus chapter 33. We have these places where, oh, you know, we look at ourselves. We finally figure out who we are, how much we needed God, how we look in the mirror and go, oh, I wish that would kind of like, you know, a bit. And we, we finally get that part. We're finally comfortable in our Christianity, if I could say it that way. And I don't mean comfortable in the wrong way. I mean, okay, I'm getting this, and it's working, and everything's working, it's working. And then this thing begins to happen where you feel something kind of pulling you deeper. See, that's not you pushing. That's him calling. And, it, and in Exodus chapter 3, and thir 33, pardon me, verse 13, he says, this is his question. Now, and Pastor Ann talked about asking. Now, therefore, I pray thee, this is a question. If I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. He just didn't want to know about the way. He says, watch, that I may know thee. That I might find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is your people. Well, it's kind of a funny request if you think about it. But Moses' intention was never to go alone. He had a call. He had a, a drawing. But he knew he had access. But he wanted the people of God to come together. There was a calling that was going out. I want to meet with you, God. But I sure want to take the nation with me. I'm telling you this morning, I want to draw deeper to the Holy Spirit. I want to know him better than I've known him before. And I tell you that this nation, I want it to come with me. I want us to go as one to find that place of unity by the Holy Ghost. To come into that place. And it is a question we can ask. We've asked for the salvation. But have we asked to gather and how to gather? Have we asked about the fellowship of meeting with our Lord Jesus Christ in a deeper way? We began that place today and came into that presence very nicely, easily. The presence of the Lord was here. And this is, this is the Lord's response to him in verse 14. He said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. This is the Old Testament before the cross. And he gives such a great promise, doesn't he? And we know that he did. He said, now, I can't let you see my face, but I'm going to have my presence go before you. And it was wonderful. What a connection with God before the cross. This is, I mean, amazing, absolutely amazing. Let's look at what it says in Hebrews, because there's this place that God showed him. Moses was his priest, and there was something in that meeting with God that we also desperately need. In Hebrews chapter 9, find it. It's good. It's going to help us this morning as we find that place inside of us. There's something that God's got for me. And it's not just the mechanical things. It's not just the natural things. It's not just the, you know, here, I, God, I, I've got my need list out. And I know you'll fulfill it. This is so much more. And so when we've come to the place and we come to his altar and we come to his place of mercy and grace, we come to this place where we find there's so much more. If we want to just, could you just pause for a minute? Because something's just coming up and I, and I feel I need to do it. Well, if you found Hebrews 9, just hold yourself there. Sometimes one of the things we've encouraged is just to hear the Holy Spirit when he has kind of changes and things. And I just really felt that we should just for a moment lift up the Ukraine and, and Russia. Can we do that for just a moment? Oh, God of mercy and great grace. God of mercy and great grace. Father, I call to you today. We ask in your name for mercy and grace. Oh, changer of hearts, changer of situations. We ask for your grace to be poured out on the people who are crying out this very moment for help. Father, we know that holy angels can be dispatched to them now and bring divine protection to every one of them. Father, I thank you that they're surrounded, that those there's been specifically those crying out at this very moment that you are protecting them you are keeping them you are keeping them from evil and harm right this very moment I thank you for it Jesus I thank you for it 
Father, I thank you for divine protection on children and women as they've tried to escape while their men stay back. Father, I thank you that in all of this, you can change the hearts of the greedy. You can change the hearts of the power-driven. And you can bring them to their knees. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to work that place where you bring them to their knees and see that all the things of this world that they have desired are nothing compared to you. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. You are the God of change. You changed our hearts and you can change theirs. We ask for a supernatural work in those countries. Supernatural among those who call themselves leaders. Father, we thank you this day that you hold them in your hand. And that your glory and mercy and grace are surrounding them. That your presence keeps them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. He does hear us, you know. And he protects people. Hebrews chapter 9. Tells us here of what is contained in God's altar. The altar, as I said, or the place of mercy, the tabernacle, it was called the place of place of mercy, mercy seat. And it's a place that heaven never closes, never closes that place. And his priests were given an assignment to minister out of that place. They went into the Holy of Holies and went there and ministered to the Lord first. And many people have stopped in the body of Christ because it, from entering this place where we can minister from because it's called a holy place where you meet with God first. And because of the stain, if you will, of what it means to be holy and our perception of holy, which came out of religion rather than by the Holy Ghost, we have stopped ourselves from going to the place where we receive exactly what's needed to do the job. And in that, we've got ourselves a bit messed up. But I want you to see, God can fix anything. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 3, it says, After the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had, watch, the golden censer, the ark of the covenant, over, uh, covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein the, was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. Everything you need for life, for deliverance, for nurturing. The pot of manna had everything you'd ever need to survive, to be filled in your natural way, all your physical requirements for breathing and living and life. That rod that would show us how to lead and how to follow. The places of God's boundaries, which are not religious ideals. But the place of guidance, instruction, and help. And you see, because we look at this, and at one time our, our church made a, a little representative out of the tabernacle just to give us some idea of what was actually going on because it's a representative of what we have available to us today. And this thing, and it says... Uh, the golden manna, Aaron's rod that budded, that's the thing that had the healing in it. That's the place. Can you imagine cutting down a stick, not planting it in dirt, and then having it bud and bloom? Exactly. This was a dead stick. And when it got near the life of God, it bloomed and bare fruit. These are such representatives of, for us today. A picture. And see, it's supposed to create expectation. It doesn't matter how dead you are, God can put life in you. Amen. Amen. He can cause you to bud and not just bud, but bear fruit. He's not appointed you to so, say, oh, look, there's a pretty stick. That's not what it's for. Although pretty isn't bad. But it's got purpose. It's got life in it. 
And so when we hear that, we go, that our expectation of life, our expectation that what he's put in you, you came to him dead. We were dead in our sins, but God, he came and the blood of Jesus was shed for us so that our dead sticks would come to life and blossom and then bear fruit. Some of us have come to the place where we have come alive. We've received the work of the blood of Jesus and we know, hey, we're alive. We heard some people singing today, a few of you anyway. And we go, you know, we heard them. They must be living. But God's called us to do more than just breathe air. He's called us to blossom and bear fruit that should remain in this earth. And, and people think, oh, well, fruit is, is uh, my harvest. I've gone out. I've, I've sown the gospel seed, and therefore my fruit is measured by how many people got saved while I was alive on earth. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, all those things. That your character, that he is who God is, would manifest itself in every one of us, that we would never fall. Isn't that what the Bible promised? That when he does a work in us, we don't fall. He has a character that's unfailing, a character that goes beyond, a character that people can say, this is God. This is the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. When we begin to walk in unfailing character, when that kind of fruit comes in us, when that kind of fruit, we've all borne some bad fruit. We've all had some stuff on the vine that we're glad fell off. I'm telling you what, but there is a God and he is great and he wants to do a work in you and I that has an unfailing character that doesn't fall the first time temptation flies in their face. Imagine having that kind of fruit that under the greatest pressure, we love. When the most hateful person walks up to you, spits in your face, calls you name and tries to kill you, can you stay in love? Can you bear fruit under the greatest pressure you could conceive with your mind? Unfailing character. Unfailing fruit. Fruit that remains. That regardless of situation, regardless of so many, I'm facing so many troubles. Turn your face around and look at Jesus. Stop facing troubles. You and I are appointed to bear fruit that remains. Fruit that stands in the barren land. Un, undeterred, un, nothing to do with what was on the ground but everything to do with the life you received. The actual altar of mercy, a representative of us as containers made with acacia wood, surrounded on the inside with gold as well as the outside. That's what the Ark of Mercy, that's the Ark of the Covenant. That's what it had. You and I are like that hardened tree sometimes. Acacia wood is very difficult to cut. It's like iron. Some people call it iron wood. Because it's so very hard to cut. Probably Corey would know more about that than I would. But I know it's very, very, very hard. And lots of us come to Jesus that way. Very, very hardened by this world. Very hardened by the things that have gone by. But if you'll remember and if you get your expectation up, this is what God's appointed for me. He's appointed to me to have my stick come alive. Not only that, when that fruit remains, he's coating me with his gold on the inside. Aren't you glad? His kind of gold on the inside, his kind of gold on the outside, so it won't matter. Yes, there's wood in the middle, but aren't you glad it isn't seen? I am many days. <laughs> now, I might tell you about my wood, but only so that you can know that he's a good God. That he gets us beyond. That he takes us into this place. You see, it was always supposed to be something that we could look at for an example to help our expectation of who our holy God is come to life. That's what the, the tabernacle, it's a shadow of the things in the heaven. And we don't have to wait for heaven to start living it. We can not be those dead sticks anymore. And then the tables of the covenant. The Lord should never have to tell us that lying is wrong. When he has written the tables on our heart. 
And he's written his promises. Thou shalt not steal. Some people, I, I remember in Sunday school, learning the Ten Commandments. Anybody else ever did that? Memorize the Ten Commandments? Yes. But now he's written them here. He's written them here on our heart. I don't have to have, you know, pastor come along to tell me or get a little box and go in a little corner and have a little box in the corner where I go in and confess the sins and he's got to tell me about them and praise the Lord, I don't have to kneel on sticks to get through. And five Hail Marys, which I couldn't remember anyway. Now, I've met people who do all that, and praise the Lord that there is a beginning of understanding with the Catholic Church, but there's some more to get there. I traveled in one of my ministry teams with a lady who was always falling, and then she'd get out her beads and cry out to God. and was So, so as soon as we got into a, a city where there was a Catholic Church, she made an appointment and went into the confession box. She didn't come out better. Two weeks later, she'd be smoking again. I said, what happened in that box? It's private. Yep. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't super holy, you know, super fragile, holy faith. Fantastic. <laughs> that wasn't who I was. But I certainly wasn't falling all the time. I heard from a time I was young that he would keep me from falling. And I'm grateful for the blood of Jesus. The promises of God, everything I need, every promise. There's another song. I'm just full of songs today. Every promise in the book is mine. Every, every chapter, every verse, every line, every line. Amen. All the blessings of his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. We sang that. Those are good songs. Amen. And so I'd look at that. This is what it's talking about. When you come to the altar, that's what's there. Everything you need. Dead things come to life. Deliverance for you. Because when the fiery serpents came after the people of God, bam, all they had to do was look at the stick. Imagine that. Fiery, crazy people coming at you. All they got to do is look at you. And then they run away. <laughs> Hopefully healed. Amen. <laughs> And not screaming and mad. When we were beginning the church, the Lord spoke very strongly. Some of our sessions. He said, my altar is always open. Don't ever close it. And we've come through a time where in all of us trying to have church, do church that makes people happy, conform to this and help the people and carry them along, Bob them through the things and you're not very relatable because you don't do it like this or you haven't sung the right song because it's what's popular and all of those things. They removed the crosses, but we have one here and we have one as soon as you come in the door. But the crosses were gone. And when the crosses left the church, we also saw people stopping to engage because we only had the best singers and they were so good and became more entertainment. We all know that that's what's, what's happened. But in the midst of all of this, in the stopping up of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to help each other, the altars got closed. There was no place to really meet with God. We thought it was a natural place because growing up, I always did. We called it the mercy seat in our church. It was a place where people came not just because they were uh, getting born again, but it was where it came. There were times in church on a Sunday night where we would just come and gather at the mercy seat and cry out to God. We wanted to be closer to him. We wanted to know him more. But yet in these days, those kind of things look weird. And they make us uncomfortable. They didn't make us uncomfortable back then, oddly enough. Is that funny? We were used to seeing people's junk. Now it's like, oh, keep your junk under a mask. Praise the Lord, we don't have to do that anymore. Now, if we could just get the other ones off. Amen. God said, his isn't closed. Don't you do it. And I didn't think it was a big deal at that time. You know, because there was altars everywhere. People were meeting with God. And I watched. And people didn't pray for each other anymore. People didn't call out, eh. We went, we did our hour, not here, but you know. 
<laughs> we know it's more than an hour here. <laughs> we get going and then we don't want to go home. But that's not a bad thing either. How could, I don't know how they did it in an hour, Pastor. <clears throat> well, they gave the, the you know, uh, let me, funny story. Well, maybe not so funny, but it, it, I thought it was funny at the time. Um, uh, some, you know, I have a bit of a mouth sometimes that, you know, speaks. <laughs> and, and I say these things. And, and because I often sit with fellas and, and they're getting used to female ministers. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently. And so we were sitting in this group, and there were some people arranging a meeting. This was several years ago. And <clears throat> so they're setting up the, the order of service for this meeting. And they hand us all a paper. And, they, and, and I look down at the paper, and I'm not saying anything. And it says, song, and it names the song at four minutes and nine seconds. This song, three minutes, 57 in here, two minutes for the offering, da, 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 uh, 12 minutes for the speaker, and it added up to an hour. And, and, they said, and so at the end, of sheet, and they've all had their yes, and we like those songs, and we can all agree, they're all songs we can all sing, because they were different denominations, and it was all based on let's not offend our, our friends. And so it came to the end, and they, they, and, and they said, well, let's pray that the Holy Spirit moves. And, and at this point, I'm like, like I, I'm trying not to make a face, but you know, my face is just in a lie. It has to tell the truth, and I'm making, and I'm trying, I'm trying to sit nice, you know. And I'm wiggling, cause you know, y'all know I wiggle, and I'm wiggling, and I'm trying not to, and then I'm like tapping, and I'm like, and they go, oh, did you have anything to add, Gwen? And, and like, and that was that. It was like popping the bubble out. It came. <laughs> and I said, "Will you ask in the Holy Spirit to move? But where is he going to? There isn't space. You didn't give him a time slot." <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you all love me. <laughs> and they were like, they were just stunned. And and so they made a space at the edge. Well, we can arrange things. If it goes five minutes over, we'll be okay. <laughs> For Gwen, we'll do that. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> well, don't do it for me. But, but it was, they, they just never considered. They'd forgotten that place. They were so concerned with pleasing men. They hadn't, and, and that would, if they, if they knew that they were pleasing men, they wouldn't do that. But it just became so ordinary. And you see, well, it's easy to see in that situation how that is like crazy. <laughs> These things can slide in without us noticing. We just get used to a comfortable service. Like we've said before, three, sh three fast, two slow, one prophecy, away we go. Everybody praying songs. Amen. <laughs> We'll all swing. Praise the Lord, I can go home and have lunch. I do love you. But there are some problems with that. <laughs> Matthew, this is what happened before. I start to read these things and then I get upset and I want to cry and I'll try not to cry today. But in Matthew chapter 23, this is, see, we didn't even know. We, I, I've so often in my life, I poked at religion and poked it here and poked it there and didn't see it was trying to creep around all of us. It was trying to find a way for all of us, trying to find a way. Now, it may not look as obvious as it did in the word of God, but I guarantee you this thing's creeping and sneaky. It was sneaky enough in the garden to trick Eve, which should have known better. And Adam was supposed to guard and keep the garden. That snake should never have been there. Never. But it sounded reasonable. Matthew chapter 23, we see the scribes and the Pharisees. They sit in where? Where did I? Where, where were they sitting? Moses' seat. Didn't we talk about Moses? What was his call? To meet with God, to know God, and for his nations to come with him. This was his call. This was an anointing, and he delivered a people. Praise the Lord, the anointing in his life, and this is where they sat. 
All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, wait. Wasn't Moses' place the place to gather with the Holy One? And now it's about rules. Some people have said, you know, we, we, we have freedom here. Praise the Lord, you know. Speak what God says. We're all going to speak different. It's, praise the Lord, you won't all sound like me. And, you know, and, and some people say, we like you. That's good. But you'll all sound like how God put in you to sound. Amen. Amen. And they, they bind heavy burdens, grievous to be borne, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. We see this. They prevent, later on it says, they don't let anyone go in. It's like that great call, completely the other side. Moses called to enter, to meet with God. Here, they don't go in themselves, and they prevent anyone entering from going in. That's verse 13. That's what it says. That's what it says. And it's mean. And it's nasty. But it happens. Because today, we've got comfortable. And we want to make people like us. And as much as I love you all, and I'm so glad you like me, there's people who don't. And I can't live my life that way. And neither should any of you. Our life is to please our Heavenly Father and meet with Him. And sometimes it looks weird. There's some things that God's had me do in life, and I'm thinking, well, praise the Lord. But I've never had to eat dung, so we're good. I haven't had to lie naked on my side for a year neither, and I'm very glad about that. It is a Bible story. We could say that, but it was true. It wasn't a fable. And And there are things. He said, you know, one day I'm... Take your broom and go and sweep. And as you sweep, pray this word. I mean, you know, sometimes prophetic people do some interesting things. Um, and, and we do. There was a day when the Lord just kept speaking to us about the gang situation. We had a terrible gang situation in Surrey. They were mounting up everywhere. And, and I kept putting my hand on my pocket as I prayed. And I thought, what is this? And as I, you know, I thought, you know, why am I doing this? I just, I just kept doing this thing. And it was, and then, and as I prayed, I was praying in the Holy Ghost, and and I said, "Let the knives fall out of their pocket." Finally, came out in English. And and later there was a Seven Eleven, and they said the police had come there. They were gathering, and and he said it was the strangest things. Uh, knives just kept falling out of people's pockets, and they never got to harm each other. And I went, ooh. <laughs> you know, because I, I wish you'd go, well, yes, Jesus, he told me that. No, no, no. But that's not real neither. You know, all of you would be going, woo. <laughs> Next time he tells me something, I'll believe it more. Amen. We're not preventing anyone from entering here. And we want you to enter and go farther than the day before. And go farther than the day before. And go farther than the day before. We want you to know his altar of mercy again in your life. And as we remember those things help us come there. As we give uh, uh, that memory an opportunity to speak into our nows. How do we do that? Oh, Lord, I remember when you touched me when I was speaking in those classes. I remember the testimony of when I met with someone. You know what sparked me about... Um, Bruce's testimony, he said, he said he's, he recognized there was light. He sensed there was light in someone. This is the beginning where God begins to, we pay attention to those things. Because often they're there. We just kind of miss it. Be bold. That's why we keep praying. Be bold in what God calls you to. Be bold in where he sets you. You know, when, when Jesus met the woman who was bowed with a spirit of infirmity, 18 years. There was no way that that should have been happening. No way. It said she was a daughter of Abraham. But you see, when they prevented people from entering, that's one of the things that happened. They didn't get healed. Now we're dealing in a society today that's been so long without miracles. So long without the presence of God. That coming to the place of expectations of the very promises of God that are set apart in his altar where we meet, the, the altar is where we meet, the altar is where we come, the altar is the place we gather with him. 
The altar is a place of his presence with everything we need. That's where we come to. It's not a piece of wood. It's not a table that we put fancy things on. Yes, it's the place here. It's the place here. And so we recall, we call forth. Oh, I remember where when I got born again. How many people have lost their first love, forgotten? Oh, you know, I was so little when I got born again. But I can tell you, I've always been a happy person. There's always been this place I come alive. I know you were born again young as well. And you and, and it, it, we were happy people. People go, why is your kid so happy? I don't know. I, we just, you know, I love Jesus. I never had a doubt that Jesus loved me. I had some doubts about me loving him. And I can tell you that those places, as I recall them, help me access the things that are in his altar. Do you understand? So if the altar is the place where we meet with him, because I'm not taking a bunch of stones and saying, okay, that's where I got born again. Okay, that's where he healed me. Although sometimes I write it on a calendar. But my calendar's not an altar. The altar is the place I met him, that he drew me into. The altar is the place where I go, oh my, my, this is my God. And look what's here. Everything. Everything I ever thought I needed, didn't know I need, it's all there. It's all there. And so I recall them. I recall how he healed me. I recall how he loved me when I was unlovable. When he forgave me. When no one else in this world would have. There are things I've done in my life. That I've met with people and say. Oh, I could, you know. You did that? Yeah I did. Sometimes I forget about what I did. And the Holy Spirit you know, doesn't remind me either. Because he forgot. Aren't you glad for him? So this place where we meet, you see, this daughter of Abraham, ought not she have been healed? And then they get angry. Why? Because you didn't follow the rules. You did it on a Sabbath day. Well, when was she supposed to come? Hello? The last, she come into the, the temple. She came there, and, and Jesus heals her. And they fuss about the method. They fuss about the day. And they fuss because he broke the rules. Yes, there are boundaries that God has in his word and ways we need to come to him. But they're never about a law that says, if you don't do this, I will not. There are ifs in the word of God, absolutely. But the ifs have more to do with loving and being open. If you love me, you will. Not if you keep the row of, of rules that I set out for you. If you love me, you'll keep my commandment. Now, see, that sounds like a rule, doesn't it? It does. Sounds like a rule. If you love me, you keep my commandments. But if we're talking about commandments that are written on a piece of stone, all right, I'm going to line them up. I didn't sin. I was good to my mom and dad. I, I didn't steal. I didn't covet anything. I didn't covet my neighbor's wife. <laughs> well, I certainly didn't covet. I, I didn't kill anybody. And we're going down the list. You know, I've made a list I checked it twice I didn't I found out I was naughty and I and it wasn't very nice and 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 we come to this place of, oh, there, uh, here's the list God we've and then we've repented for it tick a box repentance a tick I did this I swore tick I repent tick I was mean tick I repented I'm so sorry I was mean tick but when the rules are here And we are comforted. We go, oh, well, this is easy. If I just listen to him and if I just love him, he will work his commandments in me and through me. Because, you see, we've had this whole thing about fruit upside down. We thought we were supposed to like, oh, Jesus. You know, here comes a pear. but I was a dead stick and so were you. And the blood of Jesus, his very life from heaven, began to pour into my heart. 
his life was moving. And so woman with 18 years bowed with a spirit of infirmity. Ought not this daughter of Abraham, ought not she had been healed. Well, we're following the rules and we don't like you. This was Jesus and they didn't like him either. And here we are today, and we're saying, and I'm telling you that everything that is in his altar, everything where you meet with him, it's got everything you need. It's got everything you need. And when you are bold enough to come to that place and stop on the outside, I was beginning to think, and, and during the service, I kept thinking about the pool of Bethesda, the place of many steps. That's what, you know, that's what it means, the place of steps. And I thought, yep, and there they're all sitting, one toe out, dangling at the edge of the pool. Afraid to get wet. Mm. Just like the man at the pool there. The place of steps. No one comes and drops me in. An angel comes, people get healed. I don't, I'm on the edge. Interesting. What you doing on the edge? What you doing sitting there? You know, if you knew the angel was coming, maybe you'd crawl in, stay in there a while. Might you get wrinkly skin, but you know, at least you get healed. Don't stay with your toe dipped in. Mm, that's enough for me. La, la, la. Goodbye. You know. The altar has got everything you need. As you come into that place and come into his presence, he's able to work his character in you and I. And it is unfailing. And it keeps you. And it keeps you from falling. Praise God. I mean, we need this. <laughs> and we need to know that everything we need is supplied. And when people come along and say, well, you know, science says that, you know, uh, that really wasn't a miracle, et cetera, et cetera. I don't really care. I don't care what science says. I don't care. God is God. And we need to keep hearing about the availability so that our expectation can return to what the promises say. And we need to hear it more if all we're hearing is the other. And we never hear that even, even when religion tried to keep that woman bound with that spirit, there was Jesus. There was Jesus. Even when religion tried to hold it down, there was Jesus. Even when this world tries to come and hold down the healing message and hold down the prosperity message and hold down the faith message and says, you're crazy if you believe that God. Even when religion and the government and the, your, maybe your friends and your family try to hold that thing down, I'm telling you, there's Jesus. Oh, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. There's Jesus. I don't care what they say. I don't care how they try to hold it down there's Jesus he's mine and I know how to find him Amen. there's Jesus oh there's Jesus oh there's Jesus oh there's Jesus oh there's Jesus there's Jesus I don't care what they say this healing is mine it's bought and paid for it's mine it's mine oh they try to make up all kinds of crazy things. Oh, my, 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 my. Come on, let's look at another crazy and put it out to pasture. Let's kick this cow for good. Uh, John chapter 9, you're going to be so excited by the time we're done. You're going to know that God's healed you, that every promise in the book is yours. Every chapter, every verse, every line, every chapter, every verse, every line, every line, they're mine. Hallelujah. John chapter 9, let's put this cow out to pasture. Amen. John chapter 9, Jesus passed by. He was there. He saw a man which was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him. They're getting caught up in the rules. They're getting caught up in the crazy. Master, who did sin? This man or his parents, or was he that he was born blind? Jesus answered, says, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in sin in him. Oh, my goodness, God made him blind so he could heal him later and glory would come. No, he sure did not. He sure did not. That is a cow that needs to go move somewhere. And not in our ears. Oh. I like verse 5. It helps me so much. It helps me calm. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
So he like gives me great hope. <laughs> he's here and he's in a few of us. Praise the Lord. And those who believe it, they do. And they're happy. And those who don't, well, we'll help with them. Amen. He's the light of the world. And the light of the world brings life and it brings understanding and it brings hope and it opens our eyes and it opens our ears and hopefully it opens some hearts. Amen. Oh, hopefully it opens mine. This thing's wiggling and I think I've sent it on it. There we go. Praise the Lord. I got so excited I undid the thing. <laughs> I was getting excited with the microphone and playing with it. No, no, no. I'm just excited today because when I, when I know that you can reach out and have him in your life in a better way. You'll be happy at his altar. Because you see people. They come to the place of the altar. And they think it's just about sin. Right. Yeah. It's a place of worship. Notice when Moses went to that place. He wasn't like. Well here's my 50 sin list. Let's get it all straightened out. We'll know it better then. This is a place of repentance. That's the only time I ever meet with you, God, is when I got something wrong. Mm. The altar is the place to meet with his presence, to get to know him, to hear the call, to have it refined, to know the place of his anointing. See, the anointing is not the call. The anointing is not the glory. The anointing is the supernatural power of God to accomplish the assignment he's given. That's why it comes and goes. Different from the glory of God just manifests. That's why he says in John chapter 17, the glory, that he wants us to stay in the glory. Okay, just for a moment, let's go here. Help some people. See, some people want the anointing in their life, and they feel that it's the anointing, and they use that word. But the anointing is a limited thing. So when I'm not in the pulpit or whatever, and the anointing to preach, the anointing to minister is here as I'm in that place of God's call of my life. It has a task. It comes on it. It's a supernatural power to accomplish that which God has put in my heart to do from the pulpit. The glory of God is his manifested presence that helps us walk and, and be in us at all times. In John chapter 17, he says, and the glory which I have, I will give them. Why? So that the world will know who I am, will love me, will follow me. And the glory is his presence manifested in our life that we can walk in any day, any time, all the time. So it's different, you see? Anointing's for a task, does the job. Anointing destroys yokes. It has a purpose, it has a task, it comes on at least. That's New Testament, Old Testament. Because the anointing's on it for a supernatural anointing to accomplish that thing. So it's different, and that's why we get kind of tangled up sometimes. So when we see the glory, the glory is the presence of God manifested all times, every time, in your home, wherever, in your car. Sing to him, you'll notice it. It's about an awareness, primarily. So in back to John chapter 9, pushing the cow out and locking the gate. Uh, verse 6, it says, When he thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said, Go wash. And when he went his way, therefore, and washed, he came seeing. And the neighbors, therefore, neighbors, neighbors. So this time we know that sometimes your friends and family are not always knowing. And they, see, and they see what he's blind and said, isn't that the guy that sat and begged? Because that's what people who are blind do. They didn't have, you know, a disability fund like we have here. Some said, this is he. Others said, well, it looks like him. And, you, you know, I think this is just such a human story. Well, I don't know. It kind of looks like him. But, you know, he didn't have eyes, you know. And his eyes were always white. And this guy's eyes, he's like God eyes, you know. You know. <laughs> right? As people. And you, you know there's discussion. There's discussion. Well, it kind of looks like him, but I'm not sure. And the guy speaks up. I'm the guy. Hello. Hello, over here. Yes, yes. I was the blind guy that begged. Yes, that was me. Yes. Yes. And said, well, how did that, you know, uh, did you go to a doctor? How were thy eyes open? And he answered, a guy called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, said, go wash. And I went, I washed, I received. Where is he? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't seen him. <laughs> he could have, but it was after, right? <laughs> when he met with Jesus, he was blind, but later he was healed. <laughs> 
Now, the thing is, it's like, so, okay, blind guy, clay on the eyes, and he's going to the pool of Siloam. How does he get there? I don't know. Blind guy, mud in his face. Finds his way to the pool and washes. Were they close? It doesn't say. But some guy in beggar's clothes, and they probably all went, you know, that's that guy. You know, I mean, if you saw, I mean, we've seen some people in our city. And, and some of them don't smell well, and they look weird. And this guy would have had his beggar's clothes. And I don't know if he was bent over. Or I don't know. I just know he had mud on his face. And he's walking around with his beggar's clothes on, and probably everybody had given him a wide berth. Right? But he somehow got to the water. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of us have such a hard time getting to the water, too. And going for a toe bath? Praise the Lord. Says, I did it. And they said, where is he? I don't know. Because, you know, when he left, mud in the face, blankets over him, beggar's clothes. He was blind, right? So then, he says, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. It was the Sabbath day. Oh, no. When Jesus made the clay and he opened his eyes, you go, and here we go. They went to church on a Sunday. It was three hours long that time. And all the kids were starving, but God fed them anyway. And it, and it, would just, it went on forever. And so and so started running around the church, got wild. We don't know how it happened. There was a lady, and she had come, and she was, we were in, off of King George in 72nd. And she had a motorized scooter. She always had a kind of tent thing over it. She had oxygen under there. And let me tell you, people gave her a wide berth because she was kind of interesting. She had had some unusual disease attack her body. And she was often not quite able to communicate well. She said unusual things. And so, you know, she'd sit at the, she'd come in with her motorized chair and get through the doors, and it was always it was always special. And we just welcomed her. And then one day, we're just worshiping, and because I at the same thing, I had my I wasn't sitting in a chair where I could see everything, and I've often thought we should have mirrors just in case something wild happened, you know, back there. So when I'm sitting. I can see. And so I'm facing, all of a sudden, I hear this strange sound. And then the whoo And it, it, was, it was different. And ladies running around the church. Now, the first thought is not, is she healed? The first thought is, has she really lost all of the things that were up here that day? <laughs> Did the rest of her cards go on the ground? <laughs> Because she was an unusual person. <laughs> and no, she was actually in her right mind. And she was completely, totally healed. The, the oxygen was off. She was very crippled, which is what she could basically get in her motorized chair and then slip into a chair at home. She couldn't stand up properly. And here she was just running. Nobody had touched her. Well, Jesus had. Amen. Jesus had. Someone there. Jesus was there. Jesus is always there. And it was pretty cool. And then she gave her testimony, which was really cool. And it was balanced. And she spoke well. Turns out she actually had a really great education. And she was able to communicate. How did that happen? And on a Sunday, because there were some people initially was like, man, that lady's always making a fuss. Oh, yeah, because it was awkward and, you know, special. Yeah, it was special, all right. But that's what happens. What I'm telling you is things creep in unaware. And they try to hold down Jesus, hold down the works of the Holy Spirit, and he just wants to move. He just wants to be there. He just wants to bring his chickens in a little closer. He always had a plan to protect us and keep us and watch over us. Always.
always our best at heart. But they got tangled in the all the how is. And there's days when I thought, God, how did you do that? And it's mostly like this. Let me tell you how. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. The greatest welcome that was ever given was for us to come. And we need to come. And we need to go past the edge of the water. And go past and hear that deep call again. Not to go to the altar of sin. To go to the altar of mercy. Where everything we ever needed was already there. And meet with him in the deep way. Meet with him for all the things that need to change. But not because of change. Meet with him because you want to know him. Meet with him and find out who else is there. It's a great meeting place. His altar. And it's time for us to come again. It's time to get the hang-ups and the strings and the what-ifs and the why-hows. God does move. And I'll probably never be able to explain how the grass grows. But I know it does. I know it does. And when I said at the beginning, I want to help you open the door that maybe you've been peeking through. You've had a look-see. You know, hmm? I see. Here comes a toe. There's so much more. There's so much more. The questions you have get settled. And that place where you said, me? He'll use me? You won't ask again. He's always used the unusual. Not which looked the special or they had the best clothes. Moses was quite a character. And I think it's time we sat in his seat the right way. That if we would sit in Moses' seat and know that this is the place of healing, know that this is the place where we can see him, this is the place where calls are refined, and the place where we get to just enjoy him because he's him, where we celebrate him and worship him. And then when you're in there and you realize there was a deep need, Sometimes we rush too fast with the story of Isaiah in, in chapter 6 where he's met with God. I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train, his glory filled the temple. It filled it. It filled it. And that place where he longs to fill our house. Where he longs to move in our house. That place where he belongs. That place where he's calling us to. It wasn't his first words. First he worshipped God. And in that time. There came a place where he said oh. In that place of holiness. In that place of drawing. He said I'm a man of unclean lips. It wasn't the first thing. But it was the place of cleansing. And even then it wasn't a problem. You see, because as we come, see, I said it, I want you to hear it. The altar is an altar of mercy containing everything you need. It's the place where we meet with him. It is not the place of repentance, but if it happens, great. So that we are no longer feared, no longer say, oh, well, only the dead go here. It's not the place where only those who are troubled come. We come because he's king. We come because he loves us and he longs to be near us and he longs to walk alongside and he longs for us to get to know him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, he longs for us to get to know him. 
He longs for us to come to that place. Yes, yes, yes. There is healing in that place. Of course there is. Some of you in this time, because we are in the beginnings of revival, we are in the place of his presence in a stronger way. And as his revival spirit moves in us, it'll come to a place of reformation. Because reformation is that place where when we've gathered in his presence, he begins to change our hearts. For he is the changer of hearts. He is the changer of hearts. He is the changer of hearts. And in these times, as we step into this place, and for some, you may have known times and moments where you were in revival. You've known that taste. You've known that place. Oh, some of you are even sensing it stronger today. You're sensing it. Be aware of his presence. Be aware of his calling and his drawing. No longer the things of who you were preventing you from coming. No longer. But as he draws you in that place, you say, I knew there was something. I couldn't describe it, but I knew there was something, God. There was something more. There was something more. And that question, that ask, oh Jesus, I want your something more. I want your something more. Let your something more come into my life. That place where we've almost in, even been afraid to say, come into my heart again, Jesus. Come in to live. Come in to stay. Come in, oh Lord. Come in, oh Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to come home. To come home. This is our home. This is our holy habitation. He is our home right here. No more on the outside. Oh, the place of healing. Some of you today are even feeling as you've entered into his presence, your whole body's starting to just feel better. Just feel better. Stress is leaving. Many of you have been in great times of stress this last two years. There's been a lot of words, but really it's his presence you need. It's his presence that calms a raging sea. Let him not just be in your boat, but let him speak to your boat. Let the stress lift. Let the bodies be healed. Let the bodies be healed. Places even in muscles where they've been overstrained. Overstrained. Oh, your peace that passes the understanding. It passes, it passes. It passes. Reform us, oh God. Reform your people, oh God. Let us come together. And move forward together. Move forward together. Move forward together. Hallelujah. 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 See, such a great place of peace. Peace over our physical bodies and over our minds. The place where minds have been so pressed with information. Father, I thank you this day. The Holy Spirit's working a work in some of your minds right now. Just bringing a calming in there. Removing the stains of the words. Hallelujah. Removing the restraints. Hallelujah. That's it. Thank you, Lord. This is a great place. A place of healing. Oh, let him fill our house. He fills our house. Oh, come fill my house. Fill our house today. 
Fill our houses. Let us recall your love and remember your great works. We remember, oh God, we remember. We remember. For some, there's a place where he is causing you to remember no more. To remember no longer. The scripture says that he, he, he no longer remembers the sin that we committed. But in the same way, he causes us to, know, to not remember the sin that came against us. So allow him at this very moment to cause you to remember no more. It's not in the front of your thinking anymore what they did to you. The pain that you went through, the, th the situation that was so difficult. It's not in the front of your thinking and it doesn't come up to your mind. The things that happened in the past, the sin that you had engaged in in the past, no longer affects your thinking. No longer affects your mind. No longer plagues you in the middle of the night. When you're working throughout the day and it jumps up in front of your face and says, remember when you did this. Remember how you used to think. Remember how you used to be tempted by this. And it, you remember it no more in the name of Jesus. You remember it no more. You remember no more. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing in hearts and minds, causing us to forget the past and as we've already heard the memorial that we had built up in the wrong way in the things that we held fast to that were wrong we are forgetting those memorials no longer will that be a point remember when this happened to me no no more but instead we will remember Lord what it is that you have done for us the things that you have done in our lives we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., B3W, 3B1.